You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and unfortunately, for the first time this season, Charlie is not going to be able to join me on today's Picks of the Week episode. As I discussed in our last episode, the Kentucky Preview Show, both of us kind of had just these weird, unusually packed schedules this week, and we normally record these Picks of the Week episodes around 6 p.m. on Thursday evenings, but the thing is, we're both going to be in meetings pretty much all day and into the night on Thursday, and the short amount of time that we each do have off today It just didn't quite align, so here I am recording this Picks of the Week show during my lunch hour, not even eating lunch today. That's how committed I am to getting content to all you guys out there. Now, I'll probably scarf something down before my next meeting, but anyway, while we will miss Charlie on today's show, she'll definitely be back next week, and we will get back to our normal schedule, but I do have a guest host joining me today who I will bring in here in just a few minutes, but first, I do want to thank everyone For listening, first off, and also thank everyone who has given our show a rating and review recently on Apple Podcasts and Google Play or any of the platforms out there. Uh, If you haven't gotten a chance to do so yet and you do enjoy the show, we would really, really appreciate your help there. Now, as for last week on the show, it was the six and four week. As every one of us, Charlie, our guest host Josh, and myself, we all went six and four, both straight up and against the spread. We had a few different picks sprinkled in there, but it ended up all kind of balancing out across the board. So that brings Charlie's season totals to 46 and 27 straight up and 34 and 39 against the spread. I, I've been kind of having some fun at Charlie's expense with her against the spread numbers. But she is rapidly bringing that record up, and I really can't give her too much grief over those recently because she's uh, she's been bringing it the past couple weeks against the spread. Now our guest host Josh, who destroyed it last week, he also went six and four and six and four to bring our guest host running totals to fifty two and twenty one straight up and thirty eight and thirty five against the spread. And after also going six and four and six and four, my totals now sit at fifty and twenty-three straight up on the season and forty-two and thirty-two against the spread. So that all comes out to our guest host leading straight up by two games, and I am up by four games against the spread, and Charlie is bearing down on us. She's rapidly gaining ground on us. And this week I'm looking for another nine and one week. That would be awesome, like I had a few weeks ago. Those are few and far between, but uh that's what I'm going for this week, and I think I feel I think this may be the week. And let me go ahead and bring in this week's guest host. Uh, with my weird schedule this week, we are having to record this at like 1 p.m. on a Thursday, and that's tough for the average person to be able to do with with work demands and everything going on in life. So I, what I did is I put out a call on Twitter for anyone who would be willing and able to serve as our guest host today during, uh, I guess, my lunchtime. And the first person that responded was an absolute no-brainer. Well, we, we're definitely going to have new guest hosts 
and have uh, get a lot of different people an opportunity to uh, join the show here later on in the season. But this guy absolutely brought the heat last week and already knows how this thing works. So it was a no-brainer, and I'm very excited to again welcome in our man Josh Stevens. Josh, thanks so much, buddy, for being willing to jump on in here in short notice and kind of just a weird time of day. <laughs> Yeah, Tyler, I really appreciate the opportunity. I had so much fun last week when the call came out. I jumped at it. So, like, I'm just super excited and ready to get to it. Yeah, and, and just a, a little extra information here. So, Charlie's not going to be able to join us today. But uh, when I told her, I texted her when when we, you and I were able to work it out, Josh, and I told her that you're going to be back on. She's like, no, no, not without me. <laughs> she was like, dude, she was, she was so impressed with how well you did last week. So, she wanted wow. me to, to tell you what's up. <laughs> All right, Charlie, I know you're listening. How are you? I know you missed it, but we're going to try to bring the heat for you, and we promise not to let you down. Yeah, she's kind of mad at me because my schedule kind of messed everything up today, so that's why she can't be on. So it's totally my fault. I'll take responsibility for it. Uh, but, Josh, I know, I know last week you told us you were pretty nervous coming on for the first time. Yeah, we yeah. and I both thought you killed it. Do you feel a little better about it this time around? I, I do. I, th- I think the butterflies are gone. Um, I just, I guess I set my goals really high and I didn't want to let anybody down. I know a lot of the listeners, you know, tune in and this is very informative. So I just wanted to make sure that I, uh, I, I handled my own and stood my ground. And I hope I didn't let anyone down. Uh, I know no one saw that loss coming this past weekend. God, so, tell me about I, it, man. Yeah, I had to take that one on the chin, but I feel all better today. <laughs> that was that was all of us buddy that, yeah that was rough yeah, yeah. but, but yeah man so today. you ready to make some picks yeah let's get into it let's do this my man all right so we're gonna start uh with our sec games here off the top and we're gonna start and, and this is a weird role this is usually charlie's job so i feel weird doing this but i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna do my best to fill her shoes so we've got number nine florida at south carolina they're traveling to columbia take on the gamecocks uh, Carolina, if you look at the spread in this one, they're getting a lot of credit for that upset last week, and they probably should. You know, it's a top five team on the road, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Florida's only the five-point road favorite in this one. I thought that was kind of odd. I mean, Carolina's really getting a lot of respect here. So Charlie did send me your pick. She didn't want to be completely left out of the, the equation here today. So Charlie's got Florida to win and cover. What about you, Josh? Are you taking in this one? Um, this game has a sour taste uh, to me since uh, I'm not a Florida fan. I hate the Gators and the unspeakable loss that we suffered last week. So this really put a sour taste in my mouth. But um, I feel like this game is uh, pretty clear cut. Kyle Trask seems to be working for the Florida offense, completing 68% of his passes. He's not that mobile, but he seems to fit well. And then you have Emory Jones, who is waiting in the wing. Uh, he has a more, he's a more dual threat quarterback, but it seems that he still has a lot to learn for the offense. Um, and also with the receiving threats like Kyle Pitts, Van Jefferson, and Freddie, Freddie Swain, Florida offense seems to really be clicking, and they even put up 20, 28 points on a pretty good LSU team last week. Um, Carolina situation is going to be the focus for this game. Helensky was back at practice Tuesday. He had a brace on his knee, but um, I think there's a chance we'll see Joyner this week. It's very possible with Florida's pass rush. Um, it really doesn't matter who's behind the center. They're going to have a hard day. Um, I, 
I think Halinski will get the majority of the snaps, but we may see Joyner just to make sure that he's able to stand up. Uh, Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zaniga will be a game-time decision, so that's going to be a big, big focus. Um, Florida would love to have those guys back. Uh, in this game, I'm picking the Gators, and I think the Gators' defense will have a really, really good day, and the receivers will make plays on those long, langy corners that Carolina has. So the Gators for the win and the coach. All right, that's a great breakdown, man. That's the way to bring it. Start off on the right foot, my friend. So I, I think I'm with you here. I've got – you know, if you go back to before the season, I actually picked South Carolina to win this game before the season. When I was trying to predict all the games, had the whole helmet schedule thing going down, breaking the numbers down, all that kind of thing. I actually thought this was a game that South Carolina would kind of trip up Florida. And really the reason I thought that more than anything, I, I thought Florida had the better team, but just kind of situation. I'm big. You guys know if you listen to the show, you know I'm big on the situations of games. It kind of played out last week, you know, South Carolina coming off that bye with nothing to lose. We were coming off the Tennessee game, uh, coming back from a late night game on the road. Uh, situations can really play into these games, these outcomes. And this is a, a situation where Florida is coming off back-to-back games against top 10 opponents. It's really tough for guys that age, you know, 18 and 22-ish years old, to get up that many games in a row, especially when you're, you're going on the road to South Carolina, who really hasn't had a great year. Yes, they had the big upset. I This one sucks to even talk about because I don't even think about that game anymore. But, you know, that situation concerned me for Florida coming into the year. But I'll say now after South, South Carolina did what they did last week, it's going to be tough to catch Florida sleeping after that game. Florida, that, that had to have gotten Florida's attention. But still, looking at the matchups, there are matchups I like for South Carolina in this game. That South Carolina defensive line versus the Florida offensive line, we were able to – we saw firsthand how good that South Carolina defensive line can be, especially Javon Kinlaw, that guy I told you before the game, that guy is a bona fide – Pro, he. I mean, he has the ability to be a first-team All-SEC type guy. He's that good. And the four wide receivers, they're good. But South Carolina has a good pair of corners too. Again, we saw that first, uh, uh, firsthand, up close and personal last week. So there are a couple of matchups that I think South Carolina could potentially take advantage of to at least keep them in this game. It looks like Helensky's probably going to be a go, but you're right. You might see Joyner a little bit in this game. And even though Helensky might play, you'd never know how his knees going to respond in a game situation when guys coming at you and actually hitting you. I'm sure he hasn't been hit all week in practice. There's no way that's happening. But you know, I will say, unless Carolina, unless Florida just turns it over and gives Carolina this game, kind of like what we did last year or last week, I think this game is going to be one that's going to be pretty close all the way to the end. I think from a talent perspective, I don't think there's a huge gap. Honestly, look at each team's 85-man roster. I don't think there's a massive gap between South Carolina and Florida's roster. So I'm going to say South Carolina's going to be in this one until the end. I think Florida's going to pull this out late and get the win and the cover. So I'm with both Charlie and Josh on that one. Um, And so we're going to run through all of our SEC picks here first. And next up, we have the 11th-ranked Auburn Tigers, fresh off a bye week, heading to Fayetteville to take on the – struggling Arkansas Razorbacks. The, the Tigers are favored by 19 and a hook in this one. Charlie's got Auburn to win and cover in this game. Josh, how do you see this one playing out? Um, this game wasn't hard for me to pick. Uh, like you said, Auburn is coming off a bye, and they're ready to get the bad taste of that loss to Florida out of their mouth. Um, last game, Bo Nix wasn't impressive at all, but he had plenty of time to work on his craft this past week. Um, Jatavius Whitlow will be out for this game, and that's a big blow to the offense that really, really wants to run the ball, averaging 229 yards per game. 
but Cam Martin is a very good fill-in piece for them, and I think uh, he'll take on the baton and keep the ball mo- rolling. Um, Arkansas right now is looking lost. The quarterback situation is confusing, and it's confusing to me and apparently the football team as well. Uh, Hicks is completing 51% of his passes. Starkle is just a clip higher at 58% of his passes. Um Nick Starkle has an interception for every touchdown that he's thrown. That's that rough. Is, that is never a good thing. That's rough, you know, man. Uh, that is rough. And then um, Arkansas is coming off a loss to Kentucky. So you wonder how the team's morale is. Um, Chad Morris has a lot to do. You know, he's still trying to get his system in. And then you have to keep the morale of the team up. This one does not seem like a good day for Arkansas. I'm taking Auburn to win this one and to cover it. Yeah, uh, this one, you know, this one on on paper, it, it shouldn't be close. It really shouldn't be. You're right. It's an 11 a.m. local kick. The stadium may be half full, maybe if they're lucky. You got Auburn coming off the bye week, which I always think is a big advantage. You know, Arkansas coming back from a late game uh, at Kentucky, which is about as far as away, that's about as far away as you can get from Arkansas in the SEC, but all, all the way to Kentucky. So situationally, you know, going back to the situation here, this is a game where Auburn should just come in and dominate. They really should. In Arkansas, like, they haven't won an SEC game in uh, a year and a half now. But when I watch them play, like, I see a team that's at least improving. And they actually, like, it's odd to me that they can't win games. They actually have some pretty decent weapons offensively. You know, Rakeem Boyd right now is leading the league in rushing at 134 yards against Kentucky. Cheyenne O'Grady's a really good tight end, have a good trio of wide receivers. But you mentioned it, Josh. They just have not figured it out at quarterback. Ben Hicks starts the season. They bench him pretty early on. They go to to Starkle. Starkle's had some issues. Ben Hicks came uh, came in in relief after Starkle got hurt against AM a couple weeks ago and almost led them to that victory. And that he came in in relief this time with Starkle just getting benched against Kentucky and looked a lot better than Starkle looked in that game. So I don't know what the situation quarterback is going to be for them. You know, Chad Morrison asked about this week, said there's basically all options on the table. So who knows? I think what's happening here with that quarterback situation is that they know Ben Hicks right now is probably the guy that's more efficient and a guy they can trust a little bit more. But Starkle is clearly physically more talented and gifted and give them a little bit more in the passing game. And they want long term for him to get ready. Uh, so they're kind of, they're, they're really trying to give Starkle every chance, but he keeps kind of blowing it. And you bring Hicks in, and Hicks is playing pretty well. Not dynamic, but he's playing well enough. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do at the quarterback position. But that Auburn team's line should definitely be able to control this game. I still don't think Auburn's all that great offensively. Look at their numbers. They're middle of the pack in the SEC. But the bye week helps, man. And and I, I think Auburn's certainly going to win this game. I really don't see a, a path to victory for Arkansas. It would take something crazy, but we've seen crazy happen very recently um and, and Arkansas Arkansas has not won an SEC game this year but I'll say this they've been close they've been close they've lost their last three SEC games by an average of seven points and they've actually lost uh each of the last two games in conference by only four points each to AM in Kentucky so I'm, I'm gonna take Auburn to win but I had this kind of like just this is totally just a gut feeling I have this sneaking suspicion that Arkansas is going to find a way to cover with Whitlow being out. That's a big part of what Auburn likes to do. You're totally right, saying that Bo Nix, I still don't think he's 100% ready. He's up and down at times. But this could be one of those situations, 11 o'clock on the road, 11 o'clock local time for them in Arkansas, where maybe he doesn't have his best game. And if you don't have Whitlow in there, I think Arkansas has got enough weapons if they can just find some decent quarterback play to keep this one close enough to at least cover the the 19 and a half. 
Um, and let's move on to the next one here. Staying in the SEC, we've got the CBS Game of the Week featuring the freshly number two ranked LSU Tigers coming off their victory over Florida as an 18.5 point road favorite in Starkville against Mississippi State. Charlie's got LSU to win, but Mississippi State to cover. She has a little commentary on this one. She's saying LSU will have a questionable game at some point. At least she hopes so. Or maybe it's just a Georgia thing where you have to play poorly at least once a season. Wow, Charlie, seriously? <laughs> We're going there? All right, whatever. All right, so Josh, how do you see this one, man? Um, well, I've, I've seen crazy things happen this season, but I don't think this is one of those games. LSU is scoring right now, and they are scoring fast. Joe Burrow is appearing to be the real deal. He has 25 touchdowns and only three interceptions for 2,157 yards. LSU is averaging 561 yards a game. And with receivers like Jefferson Chase and Terrence Marshall Jr., it's very easy to see why he is being so good. Um, they also, with Edwards Hilaire, um, 78 carries, 494 yards, and seven touchdowns. So you have the passing game along with a, a, a steady running game. So it keeps the defense off guard. Uh, LSU looks to be back at full strength with their defense. Everyone that was supposed to be at practice is back at practice. So that's going to mean that with Divinity back on that defense, that's going to up their play and take them to another level. Uh, Mississippi State is coming off uh, off two losses to Auburn and a struggling Tennessee team. While Garrett Schrader is trying, it doesn't seem to be enough right now. The Bulldogs' defense is 68 in the nation, allowing 394 yards a game. And then you're going to compare that against an LSU offense that is clicking on all cylinders. To me, this game is well in hand. LSU for the win and the cover. I love it, man. Yeah, LSU, look, you mentioned it, man. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. They are dominant on offense. They really are. And defense, they've had some injuries, but they, they've been at least good enough on defense. I, I still think there's some vulnerable spots there. They don't stop the run particularly well. And that slot DB, Kerry Vincent, that's a problem for them right now. Teams keep picking on him. But for Mississippi State, the problem for them is they're just not equipped to really take advantage of that. They're 12th in the SEC right now in total offense. Uh, the Bizarro Dogs, they do run the ball fairly well with Kylan Hill and Garrett Schrader, but I just don't think that's going to be enough to keep up the, the scoring pace with LSU. So I'm going to keep this one short because I think it's pretty obvious. I'm totally with you here. I think the LSU Tigers are going to win big with yet another CBS Game of the Week blowout. At some point, like, is CBS not going to have to start selecting like more competitive games here at some point? They, they, they keep going for the big brands, but the big brands should keep blowing teams out. So I can't imagine like yeah. the second-half numbers, the viewing numbers are all that good for CBS. At some point, we got to get a, a competitive game on that network. Yeah. some point here. But before we get to our next game, I do want to remind everyone out there about mybookie.ag. There's really no better place to go to do your online sports betting. And I know it was a tough loss last week. We all know that. But guys, the SEC East is still in play, and we still have that shot at the college football playoff. That's certainly not out of the question. And mybookie has that extra something to help erase that tough home loss. Not only sides and totals, but quarters and halves, as well as all the in-game action you could ever want. And of course... Still got the Bulldogs to win it all. At last check, we are favored by 25 against Kentucky, and that just scratches the surface. We've teamed up with my bookie this October 
to give you this great offer. All you've got to do is go to mybookie.ag, sign up, use the promo code OVERTIME, and they will 100% match your first deposit. Really tough to beat that. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, all right, so next up we've got, moving back to the SEC East, our next game involves another big road favorite as the newly ranked Missouri Tigers are the 21-point favorite over Vanderbilt, who, man, God bless them, they have fallen back to that old traditional Vanderbilt role. It's just the, the universal punching bag this season. So Charlie's got Missouri to win and cover. How do you see this one playing out, Josh? This one, um, I think I think is difficult because I like Barrett Mason as a coach, but – it just, he just does not have enough weapons to actually consistency consistently sorry uh make a difference uh Vanderbilt has a long way to go and it, it doesn't look like it's getting any closer but Mizzou is making really nice progress um Kelly Bryant looks to be okay and is practicing Larry Roundtree is providing a healthy rushing attack with 557 yards so far um, the passing game looks to be steady with receivers like Jonathan Johnson and Albert O becoming dependable targets. Um, for for Vanderbilt, Keyshawn Vaughn, Kalaja Lemskin, and Jared Pickney, they seem to be the heart and soul of this Commodore team. Um, it's just it makes me feel bad for Derek Mason sometimes because I know he's really trying, but with a uh, inexperienced quarterback, it's hard to overcome. A hurdle like that. The Commodores are one and five, and it's looking like it's going to be one and six after this weekend. Um, Vanderbilt is really trying to put something together. They're fighting. The team has not give up, given up, and um, it looks like the defense is allowing uh, 482 yards. So trying, but allowing up that much yardage, they just don't go together. I'm taking Mizzou for this one and the cover. Yeah, I agree with you 100% here. I mean, I told you guys a few weeks ago after Vanderbilt just burned me, I am never picking Vanderbilt to win or even cover a game the rest of this season. And last week's 34-10 home loss to a 1-5 UNLV team, that just reinforced that decision. So uh, here's another one I'm just going to keep short and sweet because there's not much to it. Missouri still, guys, statistically has the best defense in the SEC. And on the flip side, Vanderbilt has statistically the worst offense in the SEC. This is a mismatch. I know people don't – I think people still aren't buying into Missouri quite yet because they haven't really beaten anybody worth much. I still lost that opening week game against Wyoming. I think some people haven't forgiven them for that. But uh, Missouri is is no doubt 100% the better football team and by a pretty wide margin here. So I'm going to go Missouri to win and cover as well. And the last game on our SEC slate is Texas A&M at Ole Miss. The Aggies are the six and a half point road favorite over the Rebels in Oxford. Charlie's got AM to win and cover on the road. Josh, do you agree with her? Uh I think AM is gonna win and cover. I think Jimbo's way of football is starting to show up in this team. And I think Mac Luke, Mac Luke is uh he's on the way to right into ship for Ole Miss. Both teams have work to do, but things are looking up. Ole Miss's offense is the engine of this team, rushing for over 200 yards per game in the last five of six games. John Rice Plumley has played a big part in that rushing attack with over 400 yards, four touchdowns in the last three games, and that's including 109 rushing yards against Bama. The Rebels will need that, and um, it's going to play a huge part, but 
Ole Miss's defense is allowing 300 yards passing over the past seven games. So your offense is really clicking, but your defense is hurting. And that is going to play into the hand of Kellen Mond. The Aggies' offense seems to be based around Kellen Mond's arm, and you touched on this last week that they refused to use his legs, but it plays into his skill set this week. Um, the Rebels have something of a pass rush, but I think Mund will be able to move around in the pocket and still be able to get good passes off. Um, Kellen Mund will need to have a good pass, a good game, and the Aggies' defense will have to control this rushing attack. But I do think Texas A&M wins this one and covers it. Yeah, this is a this is one of those games that's a really interesting line. It seems to be once a week or so I see a line where like, huh, how did you figure that? A&M's only a six and a half point favorite against Ole Miss. I know it's on the road. Just a just an interesting line. I think Ole Miss is getting some respect with Plumlee at quarterback. He's bringing some stability there. You're right, Matt Luke's trying to write the ship, and the, and we've seen signs from Ole Miss. They haven't been getting, even though they haven't been winning a ton of games, they haven't necessarily been getting blown out here. They've been in these games, at least been competitive. Um, and I, but I will say, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I do believe in the Bama body blow theory. The week after a team plays Alabama, there's something to the fact that they're, just, they're not physically ready, not emotionally ready. It's hard to get up. You have to get so up to play Alabama because big boys come to town. And then you go and you play Ole Miss on the road the following week. This could be one of those recipes for an upset uh, for Ole Miss. So maybe that's what the the guys in Vegas are thinking right now. But it's it's just tough to imagine. I, I kind of agree. It's tough to imagine AM's going to be up for this one. But on the, on the flip side, this is a game – they desperately need to win. Even though they might not be motivated or as motivated as they were against Alabama last week, they've got to win this game. If they lose this game, they're going to be staring down a 6-6 six and six regular season. Uh, they'll, they'll probably end up beating Mississippi State in a couple weeks. They'll probably beat South Carolina at home, and they've got uh, UTSA. Outside of that, LSU, Georgia, if they lose this game, I think 6-6 six and six is going to be the final record in the regular season for this Texas A&M team, and that is not where Jimbo Fisher wants to be in year two. So this is, a, I don't want to say a must-win game. That's a little strong, but this is a, a game they certainly need to win. Uh, and Ole Miss, right now, they're second in the league in rushing offense. But A&M's only given up 117 yards a game. And right now, what all, really all that Ole Miss can do efficiently is run the football. And A&M has been pretty good stopping the run this year. On the other side, Ole Miss, they are 13th in the SEC in total defense, and they are dead last in the league against the pass, giving them 300 yards a game. A&M doesn't necessarily have a dynamic passing offense, but they do have a couple of really good receivers, Courtney Davis, uh, Jamon Osmond. Those guys are legit. So I think they're going to have a field day against that Ole Miss secondary. I think they're going to do enough uh, to win and cover the six and a half. I'm with you guys there. All right, moving out of the SEC into our national picks, the next game is probably the game, I would say outside of ours, of course, that I am most excited to watch this weekend. There are some pretty intriguing matchups this week, but not really a ton of like big marquee games. But I think this game and maybe the Penn State Mission game are the two biggest games of the weekend. But you got the 12th-ranked Oregon Ducks traveling to Seattle to take on the 5-2 and two Washington Huskies. It's an early 12-30 local kick in Seattle, and the visiting Ducks are favored by three. Charlie's taking Washington to pull the upset and win and cover as well. So, Josh, how do you see this one? I'm, I'm really looking forward to the game, and I think this is going to be a big QB duel right here. Um, the QB matchup is the most intriguing thing to me. Justin Herbert has 17 touchdowns to only one interception, completing 69% of his passes with a QBR of 73.9. The Ducks' offense is putting up 461 yards a game and coming off a nice beatdown of Colorado. Uh, Jacob Breeler, 
Breland, excuse me, has emerged as one of Herbert's favorite targets, leading the team in receptions and yards. Um, the Ducks are sitting atop the Pac-12 North, and Washington is at third looking up to them. Um, I think this Oregon offense is really, really moving right now, and I think that's what the team is leading on. While for Washington, Jacob Eason went back home, and he's tossed 13 touchdowns to only three picks, completing 66% of his passes and averaging eight yards a pass, which is not bad. The top three receivers for the Huskies are all averaging over 12 yards a catch, so they're moving the ball down the field, and that's always a recipe for success. This seems to be a great QB matchup to me, and I think that's where the game is going to be decided, which quarterback plays the best. And um, the other side of the ball is what's going to decide the game. Oregon's defense is allowing 267 yards per game, while Washington's defense is allowing 363 yards a game. And majority of that is coming through the air. So you have a defense that is playing into the hands of Herbert. This does not seem like a good formula for Washington. I'm taking Oregon to win and to cover despite the home field advantage for Washington. Yeah, I'm with you, Josh. I- I've watched each of Washington's past three games just randomly, I guess, and they just – they're not that good. They really aren't. I mean, they're not a bad team, but they have certainly not impressed me anytime I've sat down and watched them play this year. And Eason, I, I really like the guy. I really do. And his numbers aren't bad this year. He's been pretty good, 13 touchdowns to three picks. But when I watch him play, it's just a little things. There's something missing there. You know, throwing bullet passes on little five-yard out routes, uh, when it's all it takes is just a little touch on the ball to complete the pass. I've seen a couple times where it's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing The receiver's trying to look back at him like, dude, come on, just give me a catchable ball. Um, so got happy feet at times. His pocket awareness hasn't really improved all that much from his freshman year. That doesn't necessarily surprise me too much because he hasn't played a ton since that time. Um, he's good. He's super talented. He's got the talent. There's no doubt in the physical profile, but just something missing when I watch him play. In Oregon, man, they are really, really good. They are humming right now. Guys, one of, one of the craziest stats of the season so far is since week one against Auburn, Oregon has only given up one touchdown. One touchdown since week one. That's crazy. And I know it's the Pac-12. Say what you want, but I don't care. That is crazy against anyone. And if you look at the differentials in this game with with the total yards differential and the scoring differential, it tells you how much of an advantage Oregon should have in this game. Washington right now on the season, if you look at their total yards gained versus total yards surrendered, they're plus 472. Respectable. It's fine. But, guys, Oregon is plus 1,160 yards in the season right now. That's a massive difference. They, they've almost tripled what Washington's done in the year. Uh, in uh, their scoring differentials, Washington is plus 16.8 points per game. Oregon is plus 27.3 points per game. Again, it, it's a mismatch on paper. Now, games aren't played on paper, but if you look at it on paper, Oregon has certainly been the better and more dominant team in this matchup. And I'm with you with Herbert. Oregon has the better quarterback, 17 touchdowns, one interception. They've got more overall talent. They've got a better defense. And guys, don't look now. Oregon's actually a top 10 defense nationally. They're eighth nationally. They're 100 yards a game better than Washington's defense. And Washington's defense is good. They're not bad. They're just not as good as Oregon right now. So I'm with you 100%. I don't know what Charlie's thinking. Uh, I'm just kidding, Charlie. We love you. Uh, I've got Oregon <laughs> to win and cover on the road as well. Um, all right. Let's stick in the Pac-12 for one more game. And this this one's a great game too. But unfortunately – it's going to be broadcast on the Pac-12 network, so about 75% of the country just won't be able to watch it. I include myself, and I got YouTube TV, and 
we don't get Pac-12 Network. So great job, Pac-12. You don't get many high-profile games, and now you have a top-20 matchup, and no one outside of your footprint can watch. Cool. Awesome. Uh, and that's why you're the Pac-12. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, sorry, a little mini tangent there. Uh, the surprisingly 5-1 and one Arizona State Sun Devils and their true freshman quarterback, Jaden Daniels, they're a 13-and-a-half-point road dog. Actually, I take that back. It was 13-and-a-half when I sent these to you, Josh. It's now up to 14. So they're the 14-point road dog currently at number 13, Utah. This game has big-time Pac-12 South title implications. Charlie's got Utah to win, and I will remind you, that I did have Utah in the college playoff. That was my dark horse pick to start the season. They lost USC, but they're still in it. I'm saying it. They're still in it. But she's got Utah to win and Arizona State to cover. Josh, what about you, man? This game, to me, is one of the premier games that I'm really excited to look at. I love what Herm Edwards is doing with the Sun Devil team. However, Utah has an experienced team full of seniors. Um, Utah is coming off a strong win over Oregon State and is putting up 34 points per game and only allowing 13 points a game. Their defense is allowing only 52 yards of rushing a game. And with a D-line like they have, it's, it's, it's clear to see why. Now, I have to be honest, I'm not that good that with names. Charlie, respect to you. Um, <laughs> Bradley, Ani, Max, Tupia, uh, Micah, Tafua. Those are just a few of the names that have earned this defense Sac Lake City. Like they've dubbed that name. I and love they're it. Racking up. Yes. And they have 10 sacks for the season so far. So the pass rush is there for the youths. Um, and then you add in senior Tyler Huntley, and the offense is they're really working well. Huntley hasn't thrown a pick this entire season, and he has a QBR of 86.5 which is fifth in the nation. Zach Moss is also supplying a spark in the rushing yards, excuse me, in the rushing game with 7.6 average per carry. So that is really, really good. Um, the Sun Devils, Jaden Daniels, he's a confident freshman. He has a bright future, and he has a good receiver in Brandon Akaya, with his, who is his favorite target. He has 31 receptions for 651 yards and five touchdowns, he's averaging 21 yards a catch. So that lets me know that the Sun Devils, their offense is moving, but I really feel like that defense for Utah is really going to show up to play. The FBI gives Utah a 82.6 chance to win this game, and I'm with them. I'm going to take Utah to win and to cover. Yeah, man, I, I really like Utah in this spot. It's a really tough spot for a true freshman quarterback. Jaden Daniels is already really good. He's going to be really, really good uh, in a year or two. But I, I go back to, again, just throw out some more differentials for you here. Arizona State uh, is plus 291 total yards on the year. Utah is plus 1,175. That's not even close. It's just not even in the same ballpark. Arizona State's plus 7.6 points per game. Utah's plus 21.6 per game. Not even close. Uh, and then to, to add on to that, since losing to, to Southern California on the road by a touchdown, Utah in the last two games, they've won those by those two games by a combined 90 to 20. And they've outgained Washington State and Oregon State by 500 combined yards in those two games. They are just murdering people right now. Um, Arizona State, on the other hand, they've won, they have won three conference games, but they've won those three conference games by a little over four points each per game. Uh, Utah's just the better, more dominant team with more veterans in key spots, and it's at home, and I love it. I'm going to steal it. Sack Lake City. Love it. 
Uh, Zach Moss, you mentioned he's back uh, running back. He was dinged up a little bit in that US- USC game. He's back and he's back to his old his old ways. Tyler Huntley has been really good all year. He's healthy, playing very well. So I'm going to take Utah to win. But here, here's what I will say. I think I definitely have the use to win this one. But their style of play at times is just is to pound it at you with Zach Moss. So give me Arizona State to cover late with a backdoor cover. But Utah, okay. I'm okay. I'm I'm still I'm still I'm still with them. I'm not going to abandon them yet. I know it's a long shot for them to get in the playoff at this point, but if they keep winning and can somehow get in that Pac-12 title game and some crazy things happen around the country, they still maybe possibly who knows could maybe get there. Be weird, but it's possible. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, moving over to the ACC for a game. We have Duke at Virginia. And yes, we're talking about a football game. Normally, we talk Duke Virginia, it's in a basketball context. But these two teams are currently in a three way tie with North Carolina for the lead in the ACC Coastal. So maybe not like a, a sexy game. But there are, there are division title implications. Virginia's lost two in a row, but they are the three-and-a-half-point home favorite, which means Vegas essentially just sees these teams on more or less equal terms since the home team typically gets three points just for being the home team. Charlie's got Virginia to win and cover at home. What about you, Josh? Virginia completely let me down last week. Last oh, week. me too, and man. Bryce, oh, man. Bryce Bad. Perkins did not look comfortable at all. And – uh to me, what really stood out is some of the sacks that he took seem to be covered sacks, which tells me that the receivers are not getting open. Miami has a very young secondary, and if they're taking covered sacks, that means that those receivers are not doing what they're supposed to do. Virginia is coming off back-to-back losses, and it looks that they have a fight on their hand. I agree with you. The Cavaliers are putting up 20, 28 points a game, while Duke is only allowing 23 points. Duke is averaging 34 points a game, and Virginia is allowing only 20 points a game. So I do think it's a good matchup. Um, Perkins is not taking care of the ball. To me, he has eight touchdowns but six interceptions, and uh, that never helps anyone if you're giving the ball to the other team. We saw that ourselves last week. Um, While Quentin Harris for Duke has 11 touchdowns and only four picks, The defense will decide this game, and Duke is allowing 345 yards per game, while Virginia is only allowing 273. So on paper, yeah, it is a good matchup, but Duke's D-line has been turning heads lately with um, Victor Dumkiji and uh, Trevor Swain and Chris Rumpf, Brandon Hill. This defense looks to be legit. Um, Dumkiji was named the ACC defensive lineman last week, and he's coming off a really, really good game. I'm going to take my feelings out of this one, but I think Duke will win this game, and I think Duke will cover despite being on the road. 
All right, Josh, going with the Dukies to pull the upset. This was a yeah. tough one for me, man. Like, I, I think it's a great pick, and, and you've got more guts than I, I do because I, I was thinking about pulling the pulling the trigger on this one, but I couldn't quite do it. I, and I have a feeling this one's going to really work out for you, man, because I've watched a lot of Virginia this year, and they're a good, solid, strong, fundamental team, but they just generally lack explosiveness. I think this is a really evenly matched game. Two similar quarterbacks with Quentin Harrison and Perkins. And Virginia's been struggling. Uh, Duke wasn't really necessarily dominant against Georgia Tech last week. They actually gave up over 200 yards passing to Georgia Tech, which I didn't think was possible, but it happened uh, somehow. But uh, I think I, I still trust Bryce Perkins. Yeah, you're right. He has been playing well. But I trust him a little bit more than Quentin Harris right now. He's more efficient. Uh, he's completing 64% of his passes to, to Harris's 54%, 6.3 yards per pass to Harris's 5.4 yards per pass against, SC, or against ACC opponents. Um, I think the difference for me and what kept me on the Virginia side here is just the defense. Their defense is a borderline top 10 defense. It's right there at, at number 11. So I think that makes difference in what's going to be a, a really tough physical contest. So I like the who's at home to win and cover. And our final game before we get to our game is the game day game as Michigan travels to Penn State for an important Big Ten East matchup. The Nittany Lions are favored by nine points, a big number, at home in, in one of their uh, annual whiteout games. Charlie's got Penn State to, to win, but she's taking Michigan to cover on the road. How do you see this one playing out, Josh? Um, it's hard for me to tell which Michigan team will show up. Um, with this being a primetime matchup in Happy Valley, um, it is time for them to decide are they going to be a good team or a middle road of the team. This game is really going to have some big Big Ten implications. Shea Patterson is serviceable, but he's not great. And while Sean Clifford is out to prove that Penn State – is still moving forward even without Trace McSorley. Clifford has 13 touchdowns to only two picks with a QBR of 76.4. Penn State's defense is only allowing eight points a game and only 259 yards per game. That is a very stout defense. That's elite Um, right there. That is elite. And Michigan is going to have to show up if they have anything to say about this. And I think it's going to come down to the arm of Shea Patterson. He's going to have to have a good game. The Wolverines are five and one, but they haven't looked impressive. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that have been left desired with this Michigan team. Um, Ronnie Bell is the leading receiver with 20 receptions for 361 yards, but he has no touchdowns. So that tells me that this Michigan team is still deciding who they want to be. I'm going to take Penn State at home at night to win and to cover. All right. I love it, man. Uh, yeah, this one, you know, I think Penn State's the better team. I'm just not sure who they are right now. They've had games where they light up the scoreboard and put up huge yardage totals, and then games where they struggle to do anything. If you look at a couple games early in the year, put up 673 uh, yards and 79 points against Idaho, which I know is FCS, but still it's a lot of points, a lot of yards. Put up 622 and 59 points against Maryland, but then they put up 389 and only 17 against Pitt. And then last week, 294 and 17 points against Iowa. And, and the difference was those are top 20 defenses. I'm not sure who who Sean Clifford is. It's Idaho throws for 342, 67% completion. Maryland, 421, 72% completion. But against Pitt, only 46% completion. Against Iowa, 50% completion, 117 yards. 
So I, I just don't know who they are right now. But I will say, I, I think I know who Michigan is, and they're just not that great. Michigan and Shea Patterson have just been consistently okay. Um, and they haven't even really had those great games offensively. Like, at least Penn State's had a couple good games. I don't care who it's against. They, they've had a couple. But Michigan all year has just been kind of like, offensively. Um, but two really good defenses. I give the edge to Penn State right now. They're a top five defense versus Michigan being a top 15 defense. Penn State's also been really disruptive in the front seven. They're second nationally in sacks right now. Just at night, I don't trust either quarterback, but at least Clifford has shown he has it in him uh, to do something. Uh, we haven't, Like you said, we haven't seen that at all from Shea Patterson. And I like the playmakers around Sean Clifford. And again, it's at home. It's a wideout game at night. Nine points is a big number, but give me Penn State to win. I could totally see Penn State just running away with this one because the Michigan offense is just not good. But you know what? I'm going to say the Michigan defense is good enough to keep it close enough to cover because Penn State really hasn't been all that dynamic against good defense. So I'll take the Wolverines to cover. And finally, that leaves us with a game we all care about, even if no one else does. Uh, Our Georgia Bulldogs are a 20-point favorite for the third straight game, or 20-plus point favorite for the third straight game against an SEC East opponent as the Kentucky Wildcats come calling. We don't need to rehash last week. We know how that turned out. Hopefully, this is the week we can get things back on track. Charlie's got Georgia to win and cover, but she's unsure of the cover because it's supposed to rain, and we don't know how the home team will react. If you look at how we play following a loss for the past few seasons, she's uh, saying that we win by a considerable amount, but you never know, which I kind of agree with there. So, Josh, how do you ultimately see this one playing out? I've been looking forward to this game because I just wanted to turn the page after the loss last week. Um, that really, really hurt me. I think this game is going to right the ship. Um, on the mailbag, I wanted to send in a question because I feel like over the past few years, every time we've had that one letdown game, we always came back and been ready to play. So I'm looking forward to a big game so far. I totally agree, man. I, we, and you're right. We, like Charlie, you and Charlie both mentioned it. we've had we had those bounce back games. Right? We had those like what just happened games, but then we usually bounce back really well. Yeah. So, I my biggest question is our receivers. Now, I had a lot of faith in them, but after the last game, it it really showed that we have some work still left to do. Um, George Pickens would be our receiving our re- leading receiver coming into this game with 19 receptions, 283 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, from I think that he's going to bounce back and he's going to be ready to play and I think this game plays into our hand um Swift no matter what has always showed up every game so I'm expecting nothing different from him um I think our defense will uh answer the bell and be able to stand up to a rushing attack because right now I'm gonna be honest Kentucky's passing game does not look all that good especially when you're taking your star receiver and he's running um plays at the quarterback position I think this game plays into our hand. I think we handled this one uh, clearly. I think we're going to backdoor cover this one. I think Kirby is out to get ourselves together and work on us as a team and not necessarily run up the scoreboard. So I'm going to take Georgia for the win and a backdoor cover. Great stuff, Josh. Now, for me, when it comes to this game against Kentucky, I laid it out on the preview show earlier in the week. I really just don't see any matchups that, that actually favor Kentucky in this game or really any matchups that you can even make an argument that favor Kentucky, at least with South Carolina last week. You could at least make an argument of some sort that their defensive line might match up pretty well with our offensive line. Their cornerbacks might have a little bit of an advantage against our wide receivers. But I don't think Kentucky can make any kind of case whatsoever with any matchup on the field. My big concern in this game, really my only big concern, is just the unknown. It looks like Lynn Bowden's going to start again at quarterback. 
but Sawyer Smith is cleared to play, and who knows, he might actually get some snaps in this game, might do some different things. So having to prepare for both quarterbacks, that's difficult when you only have 20 hours in the week to do so, especially when Bowden brings something so unique to the table that you don't really see very often. And you have to imagine on top of all that, with now with one star under his belt, that with Bowden, they're going to insert some new wrinkles into the offense that we haven't seen before to even have the chance to prepare for. So for me, that that unknown, that uncertainty about exactly what it's going to look like, what their quarterback situation is going to be, I imagine Bowden's going to definitely play a lot at quarterback. He'll probably start, but who knows if Sawyer Smith will get in there. So having to at least be prepared for both of them takes away from being able to fully prepare for one of those guys. But still, saying all that, while they might hit a big play here or there because we lose our discipline or we don't fit against the run correctly, I just don't think they're going to be able to move the ball consistently enough to be in a position to have a chance to beat us unless, just like we did last week, we turn the ball over and give them the game. Because, I mean, guys, go back to that South Carolina game one more time. We outgained them by essentially 200 yards, basically doubled them up on first downs, and still somehow lost the game. And that's because we turned the ball over four times. Uh, one of them was a pick six, one, at least one, you can argue the one in overtime as well, took, took potential points off the board for us. Uh, so if we don't do that in this game, we'll be okay. Uh, we gifted South Carolina four turnovers, and they were able to pull the upset. If we don't do something stupid like that, Kentucky's not going to beat us. They're just not. Uh, and I know there has been a ton of talk this week about how terrible our offense is. But guys, despite some of the issues that did show up against South Carolina, and look, like our offense does need to adjust in certain respects. We went over that earlier in the week. I'll stick by that. But despite some of those issues that kind of reared their head against South Carolina, our offense is still averaging over 500 yards a game. Still over 500 yards a game. We're still 10th nationally in total offense. Still 6th nationally in yards per play. We're still in the top 20 nationally in scoring. Even with that dreadful performance, at home against South Carolina. So at this point, through half the regular season, through six games, that performance against South Carolina, that's been the exception, not the rule. Now, there have been symptoms of that, that we've seen in other games, but we haven't seen an all-around performance like that in any other game. So right now, that's the exception until we see otherwise. And in Kentucky, look, on defense, they don't really do anything especially well. South Carolina, like I mentioned, has some studs on defense. I mean, Javon Kinlaw is a flat-out NFL player, first uh, for all-SEC first-team type guy. I think J.C. Horn has that potential down the road. Uh, but Kentucky doesn't have any anyone like that. Uh, they, they aren't terrible necessarily defensively. They're 70th nationally, but that's perfectly average. That's mediocre. That's right there in the middle of the pack. They don't really rush the passer overly well. They're only 69th nationally in stuff rates. They aren't particularly strong in, along the defensive line. And they're 99th in uh, defensive first down rate nationally. And that goes to show that they're not an altogether efficient defense. And our guys, I really have a feeling, are going to be ready to come out and get that bad taste out of their mouth. Like Charlie, though, the weather does concern me because it's going to rain unless there's some miracle. Who knows? Uh, meteorologists, they can be wrong. We see that all the time. We might wake up Saturday morning and, oh, it's all moved to Sunday. Who knows? But right now, it, it looks like it's going to rain and, and rain a lot on Saturday. So that weather does concern me some in terms of not necessarily winning the game, but just covering the spread. Uh, it can lower the score. You know, offenses might have a little bit of an issue moving the football. And, and also, you got to factor in if we're up late in that game and the weather is bad. I have a feeling our coaches are going to want to get our starters out. We don't want to risk anyone getting injured out there. So I'll definitely take us to win this game for all the reasons I just laid out. But I am going to say 
Kentucky covers the 25 really just due to the potential weather situation and what that might bring and what that might uh, do to the offenses. But that does it for us here today, guys, on the Glory J Podcast. I did my best uh, playing Charlie's role here. I definitely did not do it as well as she does, but uh, I did give my best shot. We really appreciate you guys taking time to listen to us here today. Uh, Thank God, able to actually get this in during my lunch break. I have to head out here to uh, my next meeting in just a second. We were able to squeeze this in. Josh, I can't thank you enough, man. Like you're gonna have to be a fixture on this show at some point, man, because you just are bringing it every single time (laughs) you're on the show. We love it. So thank you, my friend. And the big thank you to all of you out there for taking time out of your busy day to listen to our show. For Josh, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. Go dogs.